This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Fix It 101, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. Kevin Farrell here with Pam Pivas, ASHE certified inspector and inspected like a girl, and licensed contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. Today we're discussing the do's and don'ts of renovations. We're asking our in-house home repair experts what projects might be more trouble than they're worth, what renovations are easy to DIY, and when do you suggest bringing in an expert? Are there kinds of renovations that could lead to repair needs later on? And while we're here, we might as well talk about renovation trends we love and dislike. As always, we're here for any other home improvement projects that you have going on, questions about those. You can email the show by sending it to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. And a reminder that Fix It 101 re-airs Saturday mornings at 9, right before the Gestalt Gardener, which comes on at 10. So good morning to you both. Hope that you're doing well this morning. It's a very exciting day. We're, we're back in the studio together. I know. Isn't that nice? I know. I almost forgot what you looked like, Jeff. Uh, you've been gone well, for so long. you know, I, I got my fishing fix out of the way. Okay. You just had to go down and play. Well, today's a very exciting day for Pam. Uh-oh. Yeah, what yeah. Did, it's a, what did Pam do? It's a big day, Jeff. Hmm. It is. I'm listening. It's the eve of the refrigerator delivery. Oh boy, nice. I ordered this son of a gun back in September. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm so excited, and I almost didn't believe it was coming. I I called. I've called three different times to say, "You sure it's coming tomorrow?" <laughs> And right. Like, yes, ma'am. It's coming more. And then I, you know, and a couple of weeks later, I'm like, "You sure it's coming? You know, what's tomorrow? The ninth, November? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so you, you sure it's coming on the ninth? Yes, ma'am. It's coming on the ninth. And then I called yesterday and I said, "Okay, we're sure it's coming on Thursday." If you keep calling, they're not going to bring it. <laughs> I was like, "We'll bring it right now if you'll leave us alone." Right. <laughs> Please stop calling. Stop call. Well, you know what do they say? The squeaky wheel. Uh, that is, yeah. There's some truth there. Yeah, yeah. So I I couldn't let it go because I've been living in a mini fridge. I understand. <laughs> my thirty year refrigerator. Oh, my 30, finally quit. It. Well, yeah, it was a Kenmore man. That thing. And I got back from uh, Canada back in August, and my milk was warm. Uh oh. And I was like, oh, that's not good. And then I looked at it, I was like, I was 30 years old. Maybe it's time to upgrade. And I'm telling you, I'm regretting that because everybody that I talk to is like, yeah, the new one's going to last you about five or six years. Right, exactly. (laughs) You know what's hard to get right now, talking about renovations, is a white appliance. Hmm. Really? I, it has been so hard. I want a white refrigerator because, Jeff, you remember you were, you uh, brought in that Merritt and O'Keefe, which is a – I have a 1955 yeah, 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 yeah. O'Keefe oh, and Merritt. Oh, that's true. That's true. Stove. Right. It's ceramic yep, white yep, with, yep. A, you know, the whatever stuff on it. And uh, I didn't want uh, a refrigerator that was silver or stainless steel. It did look ridiculous next to that stove. <laughs> yeah. 
So getting an, it's getting a white one was tough. But anyway, it's coming tomorrow, and um, I'm I'm probably going to have a whole spiritual experience as they bring it in the front Let's door. go to Pam's tomorrow yeah. for the refrigerator party. I know. I'm going to throw a big old party this weekend because I can have food in my That's house right. again. You can, have, you can save the leftovers, I too. know. That tiny, that tiny little refrigerator just doesn't hold a lot between the dog food and my water. It's, it's been tight. All right, here's a quick icebreaker for this morning. So get some uh, thoughts from both of y'all. Uh, what's a popular home renovation trend that you dislike the most? Jeff, any thoughts? Ooh, which one do I dislike? Well, gosh, uh, painting tile probably is, uh, I despise that. Do not paint tile. Um, You're just setting yourself up for scratches. <laughs> well, it's just not going to work. It ain't going to work. Now, no. um, I, I would not be opposed if you wanted to paint the wall tile, something that you're not going to walk on. I would be okay with that. Uh, in fact, we were in a we were up at um, Starkville for the game and was in a restaurant, and they painted the the wall tile. Well, you you don't walk on it, so it's it's going to be okay. It'll be okay. What about refinishing bathtubs, like these old bathtubs? You know, I don't have a problem with it. There's a couple people in town that do a very good job with it. Uh, from time to time, we will get you know scratches on our fiberglass tubs and things and and um, and then also if we have a, a cast iron, uh, there there there's some people here in town that do a very good job. Do that. I had that done on mine years ago. It's about time to do it again. My cat kept getting in there, and um, I don't know why the cat would get in the back. There's no water in the tub. I guess it was cool. I don't know. But that crazy cat would get in there, and then it would get scared and jump out, and, and it would scratch. scratch. Yeah, sure. But I was like, ah, oh, okay. Maybe. Well, I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> don't don't be beating up on. My, I'm not gonna say it. Don't beat up I'll on my the, cat. I'll have the cat lovers back to re <laughs> back to remodeling. <laughs> Any popular home renovation trends that you dislike? You know, I the only thing that I would say about renovations. We were talking about this before the show is that if you're going to get a renovation done, you may want to get your home inspected beforehand and then get the renovation inspected afterwards. That's that's not a bad idea. Just to make sure that things are done. Like, and I was sharing, I'll go ahead and share this story. I'm doing, I tell you, almost half to a little over half of my business right now is home maintenance and safety inspections and consultations. Owners are calling me because they either want to do a remodel mm -hmm. or they want to know, like the lady that I worked for on Monday, her big thing was, I really want to go on a trip, but do I need to spend the money on fixing anything in my house before I budget for my trip? And I was like, you know, that's awesome. And so she had had a brand new, very nice, it was a Linux split unit put in three years ago and I got up in the attic and was looking at this unit and the flu now the flu on a gas furnace folks what that does is it removes water and carbon monoxide out of your attic so if it's put in correctly it will draft right well they had put in this really nice unit and hadn't hooked the flu up right and when I opened up, I, I was like, something is wrong because the outside of the cabinet was rusted and charred. 
And sure enough, when I opened up that cabinet door, the inside of the cabinet door was almost rusted all the way through. Folks, this wow. is a three-year-old unit. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, this is a fire just waiting to happen on a brand new unit. And so, you know, and it's not like it's a huge expensive fix. Yeah. You, you know, I want, I want to make this comment um, f- from a homeowner's standpoint. Don't don't think that you're going to offend the contractor or the subcontractor by getting a home inspection. I, I, I welcome a home inspection. I want a home inspection. Um, it it actually takes a little pressure off of me. You know, I can't look at everything. It, we try, okay, and we have managers and so on and so forth, and we have. County supervi- uh, county inspectors, we have city inspectors. In fact, uh, uh, I remember a project that we were doing, and, and I called Pam in. I said, Pam, I want you to come inspect my, my property because at that particular juncture, we didn't have a county inspector. Mm-hmm. It, was in a, it was in a non-permitted area. Yeah, it was yeah. in a non-permitted area. So I said, hey, come, in, come and inspect this remodel for me. That way, if there is an issue, we can fix it before we sheetrock, and I can always show the homeowner, no, we did have it inspected. Yeah, we're doing our our due diligence. I always tell when people say, you know, I'll do new construction, and they'll go, well, my builder is so-and-so, and I'm like, and? So? Yeah, what? We can all We can all make mistakes. Builders are, you know, my dad built for years. It's builders don't build houses. They manage people who build That's the right. house. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's people. How I many you if you put a camera up and watched all the people that are coming and there going are, there are a lot of moving parts. There to are a house. so many moving parts. And let me just put throw this out there, Jeff. And I, I'm I'm gonna guess you're gonna agree with me. If you're building a house, if you've hired let's say you hire Jeff to build you a house, if you show up every day, you will be institutionalized by the time the house is finished. Probably. Because it is stressful. Yeah. It is chaotic. Yeah. There's a lot going on. It's ugly. It's ugly. It's messy. It's wasteful. Yes. And it will just drive you crazy. So kind of get out of the way. Maybe show up every couple of weeks. (laughs) Because I promise I'll get these phone calls. I will sue my builder because blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, you're going to be wasting a lot of money doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Now, sometimes it's valid. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say that. But most of the time, it's just you got to get out of the way and let the process happen. And then, you know, it's, you know, it's a it's a on an average, it's probably a five, six month project, depending on how big the house is. Right. Right. So. Now, on a remodel, let's say you're going to go in and remodel a bathroom from start to finish. Let's say I'm going to go in and give you a budget. Let's say it's $25,000 okay. remodel on a bathroom. $25,000, I hope we're in and out of there in two weeks. Okay. So, you know, I pulled the tub. I'm doing tile work. I'm putting in a shower, you know, putting in all new fixtures, cabinets, countertops. Right. Paint. I'm done. You're done. That's two weeks. Yeah. Got some phone calls to get to, so let's uh, start in uh, Brandon. Uh, Dina has called in this morning. Go ahead, Dina. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I um, Since this drought has hit us, which I've never seen before, um, my driveway has hairline cracks that I haven't seen before, like quite a few that are very disturbing. Right. So is there 
solution to that? And what other things are affected by this drought that I should be concerned about as far as my home? Well, uh, let's let's answer the hairline cracks in the concrete. Um, I'm not too concerned about that. Um, concrete inherently is going to crack. That is why we put what is called expansion joints, those grooves you see in your driveway. Uh, we are trying, another word form is control joints. We are trying to get the concrete to crack inside those control joints. Um, it wouldn't, keep an eye on it. If they get larger, um, and wider, they, wider, yeah, wider, wider, wider. And if they are in a, uh, uh, control joint, you might want to take some rubberized sealant and put in there so it doesn't get, um, uh, too much water, you know, below the concrete. But if it's just a, if it's just a hairline crack, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be overly concerned about that, but just, just keep an eye on it. Okay, what about the other effects to my property from this drought? Mm, that's a risky deal. You know, some people are saying put soaker hoses around your house. Um, I'm not. I'm not on that bandwagon. Um, Pam, what's your feeling? Well, you know, we're in a. I've heard it said we're in a biblical drought. I mean, it's just oh, yes. been pretty crazy and i actually my house has been popping and cracking you know because i'm in a i'm in a house that's built in 58 so right. there's no filter blah 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 um so you may see what you want to do is you want to look above your windows and your doors like close your doors and see if they're uneven look above what we use is we use a high-powered flashlight and we'll check to see if there's what we call a lightning strike crack above a window or a door then we do exactly what jeff said we monitor that if it begins to open more than a quarter of an inch and believe it or not that's a lot you can take a little you know i don't know a little tape measure or something and look and see if it begins to open more than a quarter of an inch then you've got movement that you really want to get somebody to take a look at now i could and boy i may get some backlash on this but I think doing foundation work during a drought is a really bad idea <laughs> um, because you'll overcompensate. And then when it starts raining again and the soil begins to swell, now you're going to have that whatever those piers are that you put in, you're going to have problems with them. If you get into, what are those things called, Jeff, the screw jacks or uh, hydraulic jacks that they'll use? Right. The problem with a hydraulic jack in the south is the moisture that you're going to have in your crawl space, and it will rust that thing from the inside out. So there's, you just most foundation companies in a crawl space situation are going to use concrete piers. They're going to come in with a footing. Well, if you do that during a drought, and then all of a sudden it starts raining again, that pier could literally push up right through your floor. I mean, yeah, my, I'm I'm not on the bandwagon uh, of that. I'm 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 probably not going to do anything. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to wait. If I'm not setting on expansive clays, chances are everything's going to be fine. Yeah, so. yeah, 
you know, besides putting out, I tried the soaker hose. Matter of fact, I was cleaning up some stuff around the backside of my shop the other day and found those soaker hoses. <laughs> well, a soaker hose would be great for your shrubberies. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be great for the vegetation. That's right. You know, so. but it, the problem that you're going to run into with our expansive clay around here is that if you end up with movement, and let's say those cracks begin to open more than a quarter of an inch, well, now you've got to worry about if you're on a slab foundation that you may get some breaks in that slab that are around your plumbing. Now you got problems. And so yeah. you just really want to monitor that. If you're getting a lot of cracking in the house, believe it or not, the first phone call I'm making is to a plumber. And I'm going to get my sewer line scoped so I know what's do, going do on. Do you have signs of foundation issue? Do you um, know? I see some hairline cracks around the exterior okay. and the brick. Like, that is new? Or has it been there? Yeah, yeah. New? No, I think, I think it's new. Yeah. Okay, okay. I would just watch uh, it. I I'd watch it. I'd take some it. photographs, take some pictures on your uh, phone, yeah. and look at it again in six months. Yeah, it it it, it, it will start raining again, and uh, um, so let's just keep our fingers crossed and pray for rain. Exactly. All right, uh, Dina, appreciate your call this morning. This is Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. If you have a question for us this morning, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Next, we're off to Meridian. Becky has called in today. Good morning, Becky. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Good morning. Um, I just, I did, I tried to send one of those talk to us uh, things, and I don't think it was successful. So I also sent an email uh, in October with five images attached. And the question is about a structure, a house that we're renovating that does not currently have central heat and air, and we're putting central heat and air in it, uh, about a third, a fourth to a third of one end of the house has regular height ceilings and attic space, and that's where we're going to put the uh, internal unit. And then the rest of the house, so about two-thirds of the house, is vaulted ceilings. Mm -hmm. And if you look at those images i don't know if y'all are able to pull that up while we're talking. no i don't I, think so we can't we, look at it did, but we've did, talked to we've yeah, talked did, to you did before we talk to you about this yeah yeah i, I remember but anyway yes yes okay uh, yeah and so my question is, if we're going to go with exposed ductwork okay uh once it leaves the regular height ceiling part right. of the house we'll right. just regular so we're leaving, we're keeping this fireplace that's in the middle of the house. Okay. And we're going to knock out a wall and a peninsula that is currently to the left of that fireplace. So my question is, regarding cost and efficiency, when we get to that fireplace, do we wishbone, you know, do we split that ductwork and have it go around either side so it can then continue into where the new master bedroom, master bathroom, and laundry will be? Or do we just go around one side of the fireplace in the main room and then split it once it gets into that new master suite and laundry area? Or does it matter at all? That is really a question for your heating and air contractor when they do their their heat load. Um, mm -hmm. 
I we are looking at your picture right now. Yeah, uh, they sent it in to us. I think you could go with just one side. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't see the expense. Usually, of going what both. happens <clears throat> is that you've got a feeder, and I think it's called. Well, you've got the plenum on the top of the unit, and then from the plenum, you have your center line. Yeah, and your, from, main, your main trunk your main line. trunk line, and then off of that, you feed off of those. If you're going to do exposed, my guess is that that center line is just going to have registers in it. So you should be able to go around one side and then back into the area that you're um, that you're adding on. Yeah, I, uh -huh. I'm, again, I would check with my heat and air contractor, and they they're going to know the load. So. Um, and and so if you, if your kitchen is going to be just on the left side of that fireplace, would you would you probably if you're going to go around one side, you'd go around the left. My thinking is go around the left because you're going to be generating heat, you know, in the kitchen when you're cooking. Mm, yeah, I like going around outside walls because that's where my that's where my heat and cool loss would be on the outside. Um, yeah, that's how, and it, that actually brings up a good point. It doesn't address Becky's specific question but if you look at your registers that is the grill that's on top of the where your your uh, lines come in they should be pointed to the outside wall because that's that's the idea is that the air flows to the outside wall and then comes right. back to the return well, that's it, that's where your that's where your heat and cool loss is on the outside is walls. on the outside wall so but you know well, without getting into specifics with you becky i'm going to just stay, say with jeff you really need to talk to your hvac people about Where's the best and the best, you know, economical, but what's the best way to, to put that in to where it's comfortable yeah, for you? Yeah, because when it comes to AC, uh, more is not always better. Nope. Uh, it needs to be sized to uh, the, the house, uh, to the windows, you know, rule of thumb. And this is simply mm -hmm. rule of thumb, one ton of air per 500 square feet of living space. And now you have to. Timmy talked about this when you were fishing, Jeff. Timmy, Timmy McClendon oh, came Timmy in. Oh, Timmy was here. Timmy Good. came in, and he and I got on this conversation about when you talk about load calculations for the house, not only your square footage, but the size of your ductwork. Yeah, and the and the ceiling height and the windows and that's so. the biggest problem but that I is, see. That is your rule of thumb. Yeah, since you're coming in with all new, you'll be able to size your ductwork correctly what happens in a lot of houses is that they'll buy a new air conditioner system that's been there for you know 15 20 years and the ductwork's not even the right size anymore so you end up with a, a rainstorm inside your ductwork because you've got this all-powerful unit and the ductwork's not right so i just really depend on those hvac people to get kind of tell you not only your load calculations but how big the ducts need to be and where they need to be installed Got several calls to get to. We'll start with Fletch, Tony, and Jack. If you could hold on, we'll get to you in just a moment. But as promised, we'll first go to Fletch, who's called in from Columbus. You're on the air with us, Fletch. Good morning. Go ahead. Good morning. Hope y'all are well. Yes, we are. What do you have for us today? Good deal. So quick question. Um, a couple of weeks ago, y'all mentioned uh, about some, a guy was asking about uh, insulating his attic, and y'all made some suggestions on what he should use. And you quickly glossed over yeah, just seal up all those lighting fixtures and everything, and it'll be great. I looked at my mom's, and that's not going to be so simple. What's your suggestion <laughs> when you flippantly threw that out? 
No, it's not uh, easy. No, it's not. Um, it is not easy. I I actually did that. My house, and Jeff's been there before, it's a 412 pitch, which means it's, and it's trusses. There ain't a lot of room up there. Right. So I had to, um, because I'm a nerd, and, you know, I just, anyway, I'm just a little bit nuts. I got me a, a foam gun and went up there, and everywhere there was a light fixture or wire going down, I sealed it up with that foam, and I had to move, you know, it was, it was that old insulation, you know, like I don't even know what it was, uh, wool or something. So I moved that around, sealed everything up, and then I had some cellulose uh, insulation blown in there, and it, it helped tremendously, actually. really brought my energy thought, bill down. I thought y'all were the anti-pan of foam people. <laughs> no, wow, I, no, no, I should no, have no. stock in that no. stuff. No, I think I think Fletch, where we may be getting a wire crossed, I am anti insulating the entire envelope, entire attic space. Uh, I go back to Doug Rye. Doug Rye preached for years: insulate the entire envelope. You're your your roof, your attic, everything. The decking. You yeah. went across the decking. That's right. Yeah. So I'm not a believer in that. Yeah. I, I only want to insulate the living space. Okay. So but okay. now again, yeah, no. that is opinion only. So Yeah, yeah. Well it, part of it, Pam, is gonna be a little bit easy because this this mid century house uh, has no insulation in it, so I don't have to clean anything off. Oh yeah. good. Awesome. But, yeah. But there's a lot of pan light and 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 wiring that's just going to be tedious in a in a, a fairly small pitch roof in about a 1500 square foot house right well just be thankful it's only 1500 yeah <laughs> there you have it All and, right. not, and not 3000 <laughs> i didn't know if there was a drape you know almost like a a a, a tie barrier or something you're supposed to lay down but well no what uh, you what you have to be careful of fletch the can lights are probably not insulated so if you put insulation around them your lights are going to start flickering because they're going to start getting hot. Uh, so I, this is what I would do. I would switch my cans out to LED retros. Then you can start start putting just what Pam said or just go up there and blow insulation once you go to LED because LED is not going to put out any heat. Any heat, yeah. The older uh, model uh, recess lights, they're usually white, and there's a red tag on the top that said do not – Put insulation over, right? It, you know, and and the, and the unless awesome, it was an insulated can, yeah, yeah, and so. most of them are. And what's so funny about it is that the, those those can lights, those recessed lights, have holes in them. <laughs> That's right. So to you let the heat out. Yeah, like, I mean, you just so. transferred all the air from your attic down into your house. So um, they were a really a, bad it idea. It was a poor design. It was terrible. So. And and insulating from the top side versus maybe some some adhesive foam on the bottom side. Is, is, you know, if Fletch, if you're going to switch out to LED, and you should, it's very simple. It's very user friendly. It's a uh, you, you you screw in. It's a light bulb uh, screw in. You screw that right. in. You plug, right. and then you plug your LED in there, and you've also increased lights for your mother. Uh, you reduce the heat. Then go in there and, and get somebody to blow insulation. Okay. I think okay. that's your simplest right. way out. All right, uh, Fletch, thanks for your call this yes, morning. Sir. This is Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. Let's stay on the phone lines. Next, we're going to go to um, somewhere in Georgia. Tony has called in today. Good morning, Tony. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, Kevin, Pam, and Jeff. 
Good okay. morning. Uh, hey, good morning to you all. I, uh, okay, after much prayer and three quotes, <laughs> I have signed a contract to put a roof on my nice, house. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, so my questions are related to venting. Okay. And the roof, the roofer says that we have three box vents and ridge venting. Okay. And he and he is recommending that he just take out the three box vents, and I'll have plenty of ridge venting to take care of my need. Yep. Okay. okay. I agree with that. Now let me ask you one question. Ridge vent is the greatest invention since sliced bread, in my opinion. Okay, it's great. But that is just one side of the vent. It has to suck air from somewhere. So do do you have soffit vents? Do you have gable vents? You know, Jeff, I'm not knowledgeable enough to know the answer to that. Okay. This is this is what I want you to do. Have you got a hip roof or a gable roof? Uh, a, a, a hip a hip roof would be like a hat on your head, and it covers every bit of your roof with no siding or brick or anything past your uh, uh, ceiling, if you will. It's like a pyramid on the roof. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, we have a gable roof where it kind of slants down on each side. Okay. That's, that's a hip. Perfect, perfect. So you have a hip. I want you to walk around your house, and I want you to look. You, you know what the fascia board is. The fascia board is where the gutter goes. Yes, sir. Okay, there is another board right under that. That is, that is your soffit. I want you to look at that and see if there are uh, little holes drilled everywhere or soffit vents. Like a grate or a grill. Yeah. Almost looks like your AC register. Almost looks like an AC register if it doesn't have a lot of little holes drilled in it. Okay, I can visualize that. Got okay, you. that is going to be your intake, if you will. So that's that's where the air is going to come in. It's going to get up in that attic. It's hot, and then it's going to go out the top. That's what you want, that circulating air. That's if we... So it'll be okay, in your opinions, to remove the box vent. Yes. If we have that soffit vent. Well, you have you have to have the soffit vents, and you probably do. Yeah, the only ones that don't are houses like 50, 60 years ago. That's right. Old. So, but no, I agree with your roofer. Get rid of those turtle vents and go with your continuous ridge. Okay. 100%. So was there? So was. Uh, okay, so then my follow-up question to that was, uh, we have an attic fan that we use. Okay. And I asked him, would removing those box vents interfere, you know, with the functioning of the attic fan? And he said it would not. No. I mean, I'm not a big believer in having the attic fans, but if that makes you feel good, leave them. Yeah. Are you, of like, in the northern part of Georgia? No, ma'am. I'm in central Georgia. Okay. Well, just understand that that, because I had one of those attic fans, too, and I loved it because I grew up with one out in yeah. the Delta. I mean, it's just very nostalgic to me. But when I saw how much it was costing me in energy. <laughs> right. uh, and we don't use it very often. When we yeah. bought the house, it was, you know, it was already in the house. And, yeah. you know, yeah. you know we, we use it occasionally, but it is not our primary source right. for 
Well, yeah, you're losing. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an energy sucker it is, is what it is. I mean, it's pulling all kinds of energy yeah. out of there. Now, I will say this, though. If you've, if you've got that fan, the problem with just going removing those boxes is that you don't have a good exhaust for that fan anymore. And it will literally push, the, uh, push your roof up. Because there's not enough volume. Through the continuous. Uh, yeah. You're going to yeah. have to have the box vents if you're going to use that fan. Cause he's, <laughs> he's talking about one of those big fans in the hallway. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I, was I mean, you talk, that's, yeah. that's oh, son that, of a no, gun. It, it, it sucks clothes out of the Oh, mine. Yeah. And it's that air's got to go somewhere. And it, I just don't now, think the ridge, it may blow the ridge vent right off the house. <laughs> look, is your house, uh, your, your house, you have AC, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, why don't you just quit using that yeah. attic fan? I took mine out, and my, I mean, it's just amazing how much more comfortable you, you my house was. You don't have to take it out, just don't use it. Well, or if you're not going to use it, put some, seal it up somehow. Because yeah. I can take my thermal camera, and this is what convinced me, is that, you know, with thermal imaging, I will see those, and, you know, I see them all the time in inspections in older houses, and then put the thermal camera on there, and I'm like, holy mother, you are losing so much energy. All it's going to do is suck the heat or the cool out of your house. And it's going to pull the, it's going to suck the pilot lights off of your, <laughs> I mean, it's just... Yeah, and that's what happened to me. You know, I thought, oh, this is great, and I raised my window, and I turned that thing on, and it, it pulled. I started smelling gas in my house because it sucked out the pilot on the water heater, <laughs> on my stove. I mean, it was like, <laughs> I'm going to kill myself from nostalgia. And, and we don't, and like I said, we, we seldom ever use it, but it does function, and every once in a while we would flip it on. But what I understood you all to say is it's okay to remove the box vents, and y'all are recommending just 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 don't use the attic. I wouldn't. I use wouldn't the attic yeah, fan. because no, now you you just don't have enough exhaust air when if you remove those box vents. All right, uh, Tony. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, move on. Next, we'll go to Jack, who calls us from Brandon. It's your turn, Jack. You're on the air. Go ahead. Um, thanks for taking my call. I think uh, some of the previous callers will tie into my question as well. Um, I have a house that was split level, built in '78. Um, it's got a ridge vent. Um, and we've started a painting project inside the house. Um, we're going to paint a hallway in the large living room area. Um, we go to remove the hideous crown molding all the way around the room, and there's a huge gap there where they just never filled it when they were doing the drywall job uh, to begin with. Right. Um, should I, A, go purchase the, the little tin strips to hammer in like an expansion gap or just fill it with foam and mud or what What would be the best way to do it and will that mess with the ventilation at all how uh, big is the gap jack is it like about a, about a quarter inch it's a big piece between okay. the between the ceiling and, you're gonna, and the drywall are you gonna put crown mold back on top of it no no we just want to have a corner it's, it's oh uh, okay so you're it's going to be exposed yeah yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's got to be it's got to be taped and mudded. Yeah, that's what I was taped thinking. Taped and mudded and finished. And Are you redoing your ceilings too? Uh, yeah, popcorn ceilings all the way down. You're scraping it. You're scraping uh, the ceilings. I've seen different methods where you where you either wet it and scrape it. Okay. Uh, not 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 going to sand it though. I've heard that's the yeah. wrong direction. But what. bottom line, you're you're trying to go to smooth ceiling. All the way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, try, okay. So you're going after the ultra modern, no crown. 78 house. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. It looks great. 
the issue is it's uh, it's it's slow. It's 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 an art now. But you're gonna have to mud and tape where the mm-hmm. where the wall and the ceiling meet, and then sand it. So just mm-hmm. take your time and. Uh, and have some patience. Yeah, because that's a that's like a weak job. I mean, you, you gotta. Don't you wouldn't recommend getting the thin kind of strips that you see. It looks like almost they would tack hammer into place and then mud over that, or uh, Okay, you're talking about corner strips for sheetrock. Yeah. No, yeah. no, that's that's. You just need to over mud hill. and tape it. You need to yes, you need to mud it. Bed your tape in there. Mud it again. Less is more. And then send it. Yep. Ten four. All right, that's perfect. And nothing with the ventilation in the house in general. It doesn't have no. anything but just no. the ridge vent all the way down. No, okay. no, no, no. No. Great. No. Thanks for all the time. only reason that was not done when they built the house is because they knew they were putting up crown. So Let's end the show with a couple of phone calls. As promised, Bill is uh, calling in from Ridgeland and he is up next. Thanks for your patience, Bill, but you're on the air with us now, so go ahead. Okay, my question is about air circulation in a house that has a heating and air conditioning system. We have a four-bedroom house with a return in the ceiling in the hallway, and when all the bedroom doors are closed, it can't draw the air out of the bedrooms to return it to the um, system, and it impedes the air circulation. And my question is, um, builders used to put transoms over doors, to allow air circulation. Right. Is there anything comparable to that now, like a vent that you can put over a door that would allow the air to circulate when the doors are closed? And I, I, lived, uh, I lived in the same neighborhood as Don Nicholas, who had Nicholas Acoustics. Right. And every door every door in his house was lubricated. Every, every door. And it allowed all the air to circulate. The theory, Bill that we go on today is the bottom of the door is cut is cut tall enough to where air flows the, through the through the bottom of, the, the, bottom door of the door if, if the door is closed yeah and something i okay. tell you something that'll happen with that return in the back in the bedroom where right. the bedrooms are is when the return comes on it just slams the doors that's right it'll pull them and so something i've seen recently that people are doing that i think is and i actually ended up doing it at my house is they use these magnetic door stops uh-huh. so whenever the door opens it's held in place ah. so the return right. doesn't because my return I mean, is next to my master bedroom and sure enough it comes on and wham <laughs> shuts right. that door yep um, well, is the space underneath the door big enough to allow the air to circulate? That's that's the theory. That's what we go on today. Yeah. So, if it's an um, older house, probably not. And I tell you something, they did. I see this over in like Eastover and some in Fondren, where they actually ran a return into every bedroom. Well, we've done that before too. Yeah. So yeah. not not every bedroom, but. Um, you know, but then that can get noisy. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't really like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you could come in and put some, um, if you wanted to, I've actually recommended to people, uh, this is more of a hot water heater being in a closet, didn't have enough combustion air, but, you know, you can put grates and grills in <clears throat> indoors if you wanted to do that. Yeah, just don't know what that would look like, but. All right, uh, Bill, thanks for your call or this morning. go down morning. to Old House and get you some louver doors. 
<laughs> let's uh, let's get one final phone call in in the hour, so we will end things by talking to Patricia, who's called in from Clinton. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. I was wondering, is there anyone in the Madison or Jackson area that levels houses the old-fashioned way, a conventional house the old-fashioned way? What's what's your going, what's your uh, definition of old-fashioned way? What do you mean? Without going under your house and digging down and filling it in with cow, with concrete and then blocking it, just getting up under there with the levels and doing the blocks and well, if, if it's if it's conventional, that's how they're going to do it now. Once they jack it up, the reason they're digging a hole is to put your footing. your foundation pier in. Yeah, you got to have a footing underneath right. that pier that holds that weight. Mm. Well, used to they use these big cinder blocks. Well, not, no, they're not called cinder blocks because they didn't have holes. But the big blocks, like you put your air conditioners on, but they're just smaller. Yes, right. ma'am. Yeah. It's, it's got to be bigger than the pier <clears throat> itself so it doesn't dig down into the... And I mean, I've seen people do that, but the reason they've started doing it the other way is that they found out the old way didn't work so good. <laughs> you still had movement. Yeah. You know, the if the ground you itself... You movement with the concrete also. Yeah. Yeah, my I mean... Mom, my mom had her house redone and it didn't do any different than my house. In fact, my house that had the blocks and the things the old-fashioned way held up better than hers. That yeah. she had the, the, the issue is you, you have to hit uh, stable ground with that footing. Yeah, with so. the footing. And it just really depends, too. You, it's hard to compare two different houses in two different situations. And I tell folks this all the time. You know, that's why doctors just practice medicine, because we're all different. Mm -hmm. You know, Jeff's going to have a different diagnosis than I will. So every house, depending on are you on a hill, are you in a valley? The the first thing we do before we build a house, we have the, uh, the slang is, did you get the lot punched? So we drill down 10 feet. We have that dirt analyzed, and it tells us where our expansive clays are. So, so yeah, you got to have a boring. We, we want we want our home seven feet above expansive clays. Yeah, but yeah. if it's an older house, they may not have done that. They didn't. Well, so. they didn't. Well, I'm just going to tell you they that they didn't do no, that. They didn't. And no. yeah, and so now you've got what the dirt you're sitting on may be totally different than the dirt your mom's sitting That's on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just no, my mom's house was older than mine. Yeah, hers was. Hers was not a conventional house. Hers was a slab. It was on a slab. Yeah. And mine was moved into place. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Old, what I call the old-fashioned way of uh, leveling it has lasted for 40 years. I just need it tweaked. So I don't plan on being around another 40 years, so that'll be the next person's problem. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I live in my house. I've gotten to that point. <laughs> it's going to be somebody else's problem. Because I've had my foundation fixed and tweaked and tweaked and fixed. And, you know, it's just part of living well, this, in sometimes these older houses. Yeah, well, this is the first time in 40 years, and I can't see paying what the... I've had someone come out and give me an estimate, and I can't see paying that. I just yeah. Like, is well, there anyone in, and they're doing it the new way, with, as you said, drilling and the concrete. Right. Like, is there anyone who does it the old-fashioned way? That's all I need. 
You know, I don't know. I, I, I would, you know, I always like to get three different bids from three different companies. But keep in mind what we talked about when the show started, biblical drought. Things are oh, moving well, that have never moved before. <laughs> yeah. Biblical drought. <laughs> so I'm not sure I'd do anything. I, I think oh, I'd no, wait about is, six months and then get them back over there. This has been going on for a couple of years. I've been putting it off. So. Right, right. Um, yeah, deferred. I, I'm, I'm still looking for companies before because I'm like, I know about the drought's going to make everything. That clay up under there, if it's there, it's already shrunk some more. So. All right, we've got to end it there. We have run out of time. Fix It 101 is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded by generous contributions from listeners. Our show was produced by Lacey Alexander, and our call screener today was Charles Arnold. So for Pam Pibas and Jeff Sammons, I'm Kevin Farrell. Make sure, sure to join us next Wednesday at 9 for more Fix It 101 right here on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.